Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about the craft. is a supernatural horror film about four teenage girls who delve into witchcraft and use it for their personal gain. It stars Robin Tooney, Feruza Balk, Nev Campbell, and Rachel True. This movie came out in 1996, and it was released by Columbia Pictures. It was directed by Andrew Fleming, who I don't think you know him from much. He directed Nancy Drew. That I know you haven't seen that. I have that. not seen Nancy Drew. And he also directed this movie called Ideal Home, which I'd never heard of, but it stars Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan. Oh, nice. And it actually looks pretty funny, so I might check it out. But he mostly directs TV. And also, The Craft was written by Peter Filardi, who you would know um, from Flatliners. He was the writer of Flatliners. Oh, okay. Nice. This movie is referred to as being a sleeper hit. It had a budget of $15 million, only made $6 million in its opening weekend, but ended up making $55.6 mil overall. To this day, it's considered to have gained a cult following. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty obvious. <laughs> um, and it might be the first rated R movie I've brought onto the cast. Is it really? Yeah. So, I mean, October's the month, right? Yeah. <laughs> I asked you to bring your, your spooky game up, and this was pretty uh, a pretty good contender. Yeah, I feel like you were surprised that I even had one to bring to the table, yeah, to I, be honest. I am, actually. <laughs> I, and while watching it, too, I was actually surprised this was a, a, a Masha pick. <laughs> well, uh, clearly I love this movie because I brought it onto the cast, but before we dive into why I love the movie, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you knew or didn't know about the craft and sort of your feelings going into it? So this movie I somehow have always known about. It's not like I never heard of the craft before. I've seen the poster a thousand times. You know, I was six when it came out, but I remember the years after seeing it at the video store and always around. But I simultaneously always knew about it, but never knew anything about what it was. Mm-hmm. I can obviously tell it was about wishes. I see the four girls on the cover. It's called The Craft. It's not too hard to not put those two and two together. But I've never really knew what the plot was. And I also didn't know like the tone or the style of the movie at all. So I guess because it was coming out in the like teen craze time of... I mean, I guess it's the same year as Scream. And I have a lot of Scream-related notes, obviously, just because of the cast. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe... I didn't even know that it was rated R. Actually, until you just told me it was. Like, while we were watching the movie, I was just like, is this a hard PG-13 or is this R? (laughs) So, I really didn't know what to expect at all. And the only real exposure I've had to this movie is watching that documentary on Shudder, The Horror Noir, Mm -hmm. about black horror in, like, American cinema. And uh, there was a whole section on the craft. And I already forgot her name. I know you said it in the beginning. The Rachel actress. Rachel True? Yeah. She was in the documentary and talking about being in this. It's a pretty prominent role for a black character in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. When the trope at the time was just, you know, 
the black person dies first, then they don't really have much of a, a voice in horror movies. Totally. So they talked about it a lot in that. But even that, they didn't really talk about the plot of the movie. It was just more her talking about her experience, mm -hmm. getting the role and being on it and the impact it kind of had. So I saw a couple like scenes in that, but because they were out of context and because the documentary was about a thousand other things, they didn't like fully stick or ruin anything for me. You know, I did, it's not like I fully remembered it. Yeah, I wouldn't even know that it, that was even part of this movie at all if it wasn't for that documentary. So pretty much to say, yeah, I knew absolutely nothing about this movie. So it was pretty cool just getting to go into it, just completely blind essentially. I cannot believe it. E even like the, <laughs> even like the starrings, I was just like, oh shit, this in it. Ah, oh, stop! Look at this, you know. <laughs> that so, is actually crazy. Yeah. To me. So I like I went into the craft just last night, completely blind. Especially for someone who loves horror movies, and like you said, Scream came out the same year. For you to not even seek it out, and I mean. I know this is like a low-hanging fruit card to pull, to pull, but you know, for pretty, in my opinion, attractive girls, <laughs> on, in you know, in uh, starring in a horror movie like that, it didn't attract you at one point. Yeah, I don't know. I, definitely during this era when I was watching all these other movies that are in the same vein, I was pretty biased towards just love and slasher movies, and that's why I love Scream, and then all the ones that copied Scream after that, I saw all those. I know what you did last summer is the urban legends and all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I guess I just, at the time, the idea of a witchcraft didn't seem scary to me or something. Interesting. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just never sorted it out. And I guess because it was a sleeper hit, people didn't start talking about it probably till the internet, like in terms of sharing it with each other. So I guess I just missed it in that boat and I just never went back. All right. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So what about you? Do you remember seeing this for the first time? I do. I remember renting it. Oh, nice. And I don't really know why. I think it was one of those things where my mom and I would go to Blockbuster and just choose a movie by its cover. <laughs> you yeah, know? Nice. I think because I grew up not really in a certain religion, my mom's very spiritual, so I was raised that way. So the idea of witchcraft and different spiritual uh, beliefs or I don't know. All those different things and that exist in the world were always of interest to us uh, as a unit. So I think that, you know, seeing these four women on a cover, it, it drew drew us in. And for me specifically, seeing a black girl on the cover, too, I think didn't hurt at all. Of course. So we rented the movie. And then I remember being scared out of my mind when I saw it for the first time. I think I was like a preteen or something. Um, actually, it had to have been in middle school because I specifically re remember having a friend over and showing her the movie. Yeah, I remember loving the movie even though I was freaked out and just buying it as soon as it was on sale at one time when we like went to Citizen. What is, what is that old store called? Circuit City. Oh, I remember snap. we bought this DVD at Circuit City. Uh, so you <laughs> own this one. This was yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely own it. I've seen it so many times, but. In classic Masha fashion, I have favorite parts. So this was actually the first time in a very long time that I've seen the movie all the way through. Oh, uh, would you skip part, your not favorite parts? Yeah, I could totally talk through the parts. I mean, I will, I'll point out the parts that I've I can guess watched. some of them, but we'll do it when we get there. <laughs> yes. In a lot of the movies I love, it touches on, you know, being a good person. And this movie touches a lot on karma and sort of how your actions 
have consequences. Yeah. So I, I love that aspect of the movie. I love the witchcraft of it all. In fact, this movie inspired me to seek out witchcraft for a little bit. Like I remember doing Google searches and oh, trying snap. to seek that out because like I mentioned in the plot of the film, the girls in this movie are using witchcraft to sort of make their lives better and what teenager doesn't want to make their life better <laughs> and so yeah. uh, witchcraft was kind of proposed as a solution to that though at the same time it completely freaked me out because of the con- consequences that might come with it yeah so i remember you know doing google searches i'm embarrassed by how many times i tried to replicate certain scenes in this <laughs> movie as a preteen That's so but funny. i absolutely love that i obviously identified with rachel as a character she played rochelle the black girl yeah, in this yeah. group and by the way she was the only lead actress in her 30s <laughs> oh damn she was in her 30s yeah wow. she was 30 i think and everybody else was in their 20s wow she looked great right yeah i would not have guessed. <laughs> hang on can we quick uh just rewind a little bit talking about how much you like this movie and stuff uh-huh this is definitely in the like a witch resurgence we were having were you watching like sabrina the teenage witch at the time oh yeah yeah, yeah. i love sabrina the teenage witch and i dabbled in charmed a little bit too growing up yeah we had charmed and then right i guess the year after this is when buffy started and there's mm-hmm. a whole tons of witchcraft in that totally so it was definitely a witch yeah a witch renaissance there was a little we era there through. For sure. It is funny because how I was saying I didn't know the tone or the... Like, I didn't know what this movie was going to be like. I was expecting a little bit more Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh. And a little bit less kind of like Sam Raimi horror, which is what we got. Wait, Sam Raimi? I know Sam Raimi. Uh, Evil Dead. Ah, uh, yes, yes, stuff yes. Like that. I know him from Xena. I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! <laughs> so I was, I was pleasantly surprised with that. That's awesome. All right, but go on. I didn't, just wanted to take that detour before you went out. No, totally. Another part of this film that drew me in was the whole idea of fitting in and finding your group, finding your group of friends. Every teenager who watches this film can relate to that and sort of being like the misfit Oh yeah. Totally. at some point in their life. And at the end of the day, too, I think what really spoke to me was, and I think I got this quote during my research. This is a revenge fantasy movie, yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, for sure. So I, I mean, I'm a cancer. I know that means nothing to you, but uh. I think that we kind of thrive in like getting revenge <laughs> on people who do us wrong. So I feel like this movie really speaks to me in that way. Not, not that I like actively seek it out, but I think that in some cases, especially in Rochelle's case, and we'll dive into it a little bit deeper, they kind of use their powers to kind of make wrongs right. So I think that that part of the movie spoke to me a lot. So that's why I love the film. (laughs) The performances were fantastic. We'll get into that too. But why I think you should love the film, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier. Half of the cast of Scream is in this movie. (laughs) Not half. I'm exaggerating. (laughs) But still. You've got Nev Campbell. Yeah. You've got, what's the other guy's name? Skeet Skeet. Ulrich. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually never seen him in anything other than Scream before. So when you showed me Scream for the first time, I automatically did not like him because I was thinking of him in Uh... this movie. That's funny. Yeah. So that's one reason I thought you'd be intrigued. This being in the era of the 90s, I think it does have a lot of Buffy vibes. Yeah. The aesthetic and the style, uh, the, the music. 
Definitely. And I feel like you like a lot of movies that have to do with like misfits. Yeah. So I thought that you would be interested in that. It felt like you were part of the story and watching them live their everyday life rather than this is a movie and this is like a fictional tale. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it felt more real. It felt like it had real stakes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Definitely. And I th- thought that you would appreciate that there were real, there were actual rules set in this world. You know, witchcraft, you can kind of go left, right, up and down with it. And I yeah. feel like it was very grounded. The short version, I agree with that, pretty much everything you just said. We'll get into it as we go into the plot. But yeah, all those things were definitely pluses for me. Oh, I know you so well. All right. All right. Fast <laughs> So a little bit before we dive in, per usual. Yeah, let me get some deets. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this movie is about four teenage girls who essentially create their own witch coven yeah to use their powers to sort of make their lives better but it really starts out with us being introduced to this character named sarah who moves to la mm-hmm. and she she comes to a new school and that's where she meets these three girls yeah it's funny because apparently it was very hard for them to cast for this movie because i guess in hollywood fashion you know it's all about how how can you sell this yeah and this was a girl-centric movie where they wanted to find women to star that weren't like really like big well-known stars so you have that right as kind of a crux you you're looking to star four girls in this girl-centric movie but at the same time it's sort of dark yeah (laughs) and is about witchcraft so you kind of like you know it starts out this huge market tool uh pool and then it gets smaller and smaller the more layers you put on top of it so it was really hard for them to cast for this. Angelina Jolie was one of the people who like auditioned for a role, but then I think Whoa. she got something else. Another person that they were considering was Alicia Silverstone, okay. who had just done Clueless. Yeah, yeah. It hadn't been released yet, but they were uh, like, oh, like you know, that might be a hit and that could help this movie out. That would have worked. Yeah. And even Robin, who that's the name of the actress who plays Sarah, she was originally cast to play the role of Bonnie, Nev Campbell's character. Uh, and even though after they cast her as Bonnie, they were like, you know what? I think we think that she'd be really great for Sarah, the lead. And they actually had to talk her up. She like really wanted to stay at the Bonnie level. She didn't want to star in this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> but they ended up talking her up. And the reason why you heard me go, oh, (laughs) when I was doing my research is because even when I was younger, I thought that Sarah's hair looked so weird in this movie. Like I was like, the way her hairline, her hairline is so unique and like it just doesn't seem like anything I've seen before. She had just come off doing a movie called Empire Records. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she shaved her head for that movie. So she had a bob, apparently, like when she auditioned for this. And even though the cost, the wardrobe designer was like, oh, yeah, this looks great. The studio was adamant that she wear a wig (laughs) as the lead. So she wore a wig this entire movie. They did that color change gag later on in the movie because it was easy. I don't change. Well, I guess so. Yeah. They were like, fuck it. We just throw a new wig on her. Might as well do this sweet move. Yeah. Right. So that totally answers, like, what? I've had this question for, like, 20 years. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think I knew her from anything else, but I've seen Empire Records just not in a long time, so Mm. I forgot. It looks like a movie I'd want to see. Yeah, it's pretty good. And another thing, this 
cast was originally supposed to be about four white girls. Uh-huh. Rachel wasn't, a, they were never looking for a person of color to fill in that role. And I found a fun clip of Rachel talking about this. And she said that she had a friend of hers told her about the craft, like this uh, audition circulating and was like, yeah. you should audition for this. And she went to her agent and was like, can you get me in? And the agents were like, uh, no, like you're too old for it. I mentioned she was in her 30s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not really looking for like somebody like that or somebody like you. Yeah. And she had reached out to a manager who had been trying to get her for years and like work with her. And she basically called that manager up was and was like, if you can get me an audition for this, like I'll consider like we could have a conversation and start working together. And that's how she got in and Damn. got this role. I feel like that was in the documentary, but I kind of forget a little because it's been a while. But I think that was in that yeah, in, uh, that's at, awesome. in the Shutter documentary. I mean, just go for what. Oh, I love it. It's so inspirational. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so then I imagine they rewrote the script a bit afterwards. Oh, yeah. So that character was originally her, you know, we'll talk about this later, but each character essentially has their own issue that they basically use witchcraft to deal with. And that character was going to be uh, struggling with bulimia. Oh. So once they cast Rachel as Rochelle, they were like, oh, let's change this and make it about racism and Mm. her dealing, her character dealing with that, which I thought was very ballsy, especially for that time. Yeah, for sure. (sighs) So that was that was crazy in a great way. Nev Campbell was definitely the most famous person they cast in this movie. Yeah, when did Party of 5 start? Party of 5? Cuz that's what I think that's what she's famous from, right? Cuz this was the same year as Scream, so I can't imagine it was Scream right. fame. Yeah, Party of 5 came out in 94. Yeah, so she was Yeah. Uh, people knew her from that. Yeah. And Feruza Balk, who plays Nancy. Yeah. Vicky Valancourt. Oh, my God. Oh, what's, where is she from? Uh, in The Water Boy. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. She's Vicky Valancourt. Nice. And I like Vicky, and she likes me back. And she showed me her movies, and I like them, too. Did you figure that out during the movie? Or oh, I, saw, I noticed that right away. So oh, perfect. Because like, she's always plays, like, she was like a... a like the badass with an attitude uh-huh. trick. And she's also Ed Norton's ex-girlfriend in American History X. Uh-huh. When he was a neo-Nazi, she was like his neo-Nazi girlfriend. Oh, snap. And then, you know, he's like out of that life, but she's like still crazy. And so I just, I know her from like that short period of time. And then after that, I, I can't think of anything I've seen wow. her in after the 90s. Is she just so good at playing crazy? Like she's fantastic. What ha- what'd she do? What, what happened to her after the 90s? When I looked up to see like what else she's been in, nothing really came out to me as something you or I would recognize. Yeah. But she did do, I, I think A&E has this series called Celebrity Horror Stories. Uh-huh. And she basically has an episode where she you know, tells her own personal story, which I think that you would find very fun to watch. Really? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so you should you should check that out. The unique thing about Feruza is that she was actually practicing being a Wiccan at the time. Whoa. I felt like she was very close to her role. I mean, Rachel also familiar with tarot card readings, and she actually still does that, like, on a legit level. So Feruza basically helped with, in a, along with the advisor of the film, who kind of, the, the Wiccan advisor, who kind of helped them uh, provide some legitimacy to how they were portraying magic. Yeah. They kind of helped 
you know, keep this movie grounded and realistic. And so that way it was respectful to witchcraft rather than, you know, making it yeah. silly or out of control or whatever. Yeah, I appreciated that because as someone, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the world of like real Wiccan studies or witchcraft or trying to perform any of this stuff in the real life. So I don't know what it actually looks like, mm-hmm. but I could just tell. And from the movie, I appreciated how committed they were just to it as a concept. Mm-hmm. Even like you said, it wasn't overly silly. It wasn't. It wasn't just a teen movie with a couple of witchcraft where they were just like throwing, doing spells and being a little like silly with it. It was, they treated it like it was something with weight and consequence mm-hmm. and made it legitimate, which made it more scary. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, it's witchcraft that you see like in the better episodes of Buffy as opposed to, you know, just kind of the less Sabrina the Teenage Witch where it's just a little bit more for fun where, you know, just he's using witchcraft to get ready for the prom you know what i mean exactly yeah so pretty good like I, I i will admit i love that movie um on disney channel i think it's called teenage witch the one with top that stop that oh, teen witch teen witch what's this stop that Forgive. stop that i don't really give a about trying to stop that stop that big deal stop that unreal you can try to you blue i will make a fool of you Like, I love those movies, but yeah, this one, I felt, even, like, watching it as a kid, I felt like it was serious, you yeah. know? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I thought that was Last cool. night, that I was so surprised yesterday, I was like, oh, this is not Hocus Pocus, like, <laughs> this is, uh, that's what I thought, too, maybe it was gonna be a little more like that Hocus Pocus movie. Mm-hmm. You thought it was gonna be a musical? The Craft! <laughs> <laughs> the name of the real-life Wiccan that advised on the set was pat devon and the thing that drew them to this script was it was girls seeking power to control their own lives which i mentioned uh, helped me uh, get attracted to the film but it's inevitable that a hollywood film kind of has to make it as cinematic as possible and the loophole here was you know these are teenagers who aren't professional witches yeah. you know they're exploring it and because they're teens they don't really care about the consequences so they were able to explore you know explore it without having to like call out specific specific things in in witchcraft or in the wiccan you know like they're not following a stringent rule or or teaching of wiccan i don't even know the word yeah wiccan culture or something like that so they're kind of letting them kind of write their own passage because they're just like these are crazy kids picking and choosing whatever they want exactly being crazy yeah, that makes sense. And I apologize because I really did want to do a deep dive in, but I knew I couldn't cover as much on like paganism, Wiccan. I, hopefully, I'm using accurate terms. Yeah, or whatever, we're here to but... we're talking about the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we we can't be expected to become experts on uh, yeah every inner subject of a movie. Exactly, and like Devin says, like it's a motion picture, not a documentary. So if you want to look into it, go ahead. Oh, and one question before we move on to sort of a spoiler-free discussion. And I was wondering if you had ever seen The Covenant? No, I never saw that. Oh, damn. I was hoping you could provide some insight. Damn. Because people have been saying that The Covenant is basically the male version of this movie. Uh, But a little different. When did that come out? Jesus Christ, Andy. I don't know all the facts. (laughs) I get something going. Come on. Was it like right after? Was that a decade after? Get a hole in it, it came out in twenty uh two thousand and six. Okay, yeah, it was almost that was ten years later. Yeah. No, I never saw it. All right, well, I might want to check it out. It's PG thirteen. So uh, yeah, probably look whack. <laughs> People have been saying it's the craft, but with four male characters. 
So I have an endless amount of facts, of course, per use, but why don't we go ahead and just dive in? Yeah, a little spoiler free? Yeah. You kind of already touched on the beginning earlier with Sarah being new to town. Yes. You know, starting moving in there with their parents. Yeah. And you kind of can tell that Sarah sort of has had a dark past. She has, you know, some nightmares that we get flashbacks of. She has a crazy, scary encounter as soon as her and her dad and her stepmom move into this house. Yeah. Where this guy comes in with the snake. And I knew, I was so excited to see your reaction to that, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) That was a nice way to jump it off. And the guy, because he's, like, holding snakes, and she starts freaking out. And, like, his reaction to her freaking out, he was like, what's the matter with you? Mm-hmm. As if, and I was just like, what the hell? Who is this guy? Does he know her? <laughs> and uh, so that confused me, but also got me super excited about what, what uh, was going to happen. That's so great. So, yes. So, Sarah, you know, you could tell she's had this dark past, and she starts, she starts her first day at a new Catholic school where... She is sort of right off the bat an outcast-ish. Like, she's a pretty girl. Like, you don't really know, like, what she's about. Yeah, but she's new. So, you know, it's a, you always feel like an outcast when you're new, no matter what happens to you. That's so true. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that there are a lot of scenes in this movie that I tried to replicate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elaborate on that. So when Bonnie, who's one of the, the three girls in, you know, that witchcraft girl group, sees Sarah for the first time in class... Sarah is balancing a pencil on her desk. Yeah. And she kind of lets go of the pencil. So the pencil is, you know, levitating on her desk, sort of. And I I am so embarrassed that I tried this in school. Like, I was like, if I just concentrate. Oh, <laughs> if I just concentrate. Oh, that's so funny. That's so embarrassing. Uh, and we just fall every time. Yeah. That's great. But, yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> that is Bonnie's sort of first signal that Sarah could be their fourth, which is something that they refer to a lot at the very top of this movie. You know, these three girls already practice witchcraft, but they are seeking a fourth, yeah. someone to complete their circle so they can form an actual coven and do some real magic. That's when they first start sprinkling in the lore and like the rules, like as you were kind of talking about of the magic. I like it because they don't, it's never just like one long boring scene of like, this is how the magic works. Mm-hmm. The movie just kind of weaves it in throughout. So at the very beginning, you just learn like, you know, if, if you're doing magic in a group, if you have four, you can complete it. It completes the circle and makes, I guess, you more powerful. Yeah. Because, you know, they kind of present the world to you and give it to you in bits and pieces. But at the same time, they introduce you to these characters who each have their own, like, unique story and background and reason for dabbling in witchcraft. Yeah. So you have Bonnie, who covers herself up because when she was really young, she was in a fire. And so she has all these burn scars all over her skin. Yeah. Um, it was it was crazy for me to see Nev Campbell play shy. Mm. Like she's not she in this in the screen movies she's not like the super popular like outgoing person, but she's definitely not shy, mm-hmm. and she's kind of like a little bit more tough and determined in those. Yeah, and it was like just nuts to see her playing the completely <laughs> inward, like scared to talk, hair over the face type of character. Oh yeah, it was, it was awesome. Ha- exactly, <laughs> hair over the over the face. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> you have Rochelle, who's the only black girl in this entire school. Seriously, who is on the swim team? That yeah. was mind blowing to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
as some as a black person who fulfills their stereotype and doesn't know how to swim or i should i don't know how to tread water i should say because yeah. i do know how to survive and not how to just keep my head <laughs> know how to survive <laughs> but yeah she's on the swim or the diving team yeah i, should say. I think yeah I guess if it's, yeah, it's probably diving team. Yeah. But she's just tortured and bullied by this white blonde girl who is Ben Stiller's ex wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe you don't know who Christine Taylor is. I might have seen her in other things. I mean, she was in a lot of Ben Stiller comedies for a while. So, you ever, you ever saw Zoolander? No. You remember you wanted to show me that? Oh, uh, yeah. You ever see uh, Dodgeball? No. Damn. You ever see. I can't remember other Ben Stiller <laughs> ones. But, uh, I've seen Night at the Museum. She's not in that. Nah, I don't think so. Or if she is, I don't mind. I never actually saw it. Oh. When they did the 90s movie reboot of The Brady Bunch, she, uh-huh. played, she plays Marsha Brady. Oh, so she was great in that. Cool. She was on Hey Dude on Nickelodeon in the, in the early 90s. Oh. That's I it. did not see yeah. that. And she's, she's in other stuff. Cool. But yeah, they were married for a long time. And then, recently, I guess, somewhat <laughs> recently got divorced. <laughs> I remember... When she came on screen, you were like, oh, snap, is that Ben Stiller's wife? And in my head, I was like, no, we're supposed to hate her. Because <laughs> like, you were like automatically like, ooh, you know. Yeah, she's real funny. She's great. She's um, good in like everything she's in. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, she was pretty successful in this role. I hated her. Yeah. But yeah, she... We're supposed to hate her. <laughs> she bullies Rochelle awfully like she she's there's literally a scene where she's brushing her hair she looks at her brush and she's like oh there's a pubic hair in my brush oh wait that's one of rochelle's nappy hairs i know it was fucked up i thought that was gonna be the most fucked up line in the movie but then she (laughs) files fucking comes through with the one-two punch oh my god and that was the first time for me i don't i remember saying i forget what we watched where there was some blatant racism in a movie but this was another one of those moments where I was like, oh, snap, she's like racist. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, there's no questioning, you know, maybe she just doesn't like her as a person or whatever. No. They were just flat out like, yeah, she's being bullied by a racist. Oh, yeah. No, she's popular girl. Yeah. When she asked why, that's her exact reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. It was fucked up. So that was crazy. That's Rochelle's story. And then you have Nancy, who just comes from a rough upbringing where obviously she has a single mom they live in a trailer well the mom's married yeah but that's not her dad yeah yeah so she she lives in a trailer with her mom and her mom's husband or stepdad or whatever yeah um they're super poor there's definitely some addiction going on with alcohol cigarettes drugs whatever and she just she refers to herself or I guess Rochelle re- refers to her at one point as white trash, like they've yeah. had that discussion or whatever. But you yeah, know, you just a poor, rough. There's not a lot of parenting going on. Like she just comes and goes as she, whenever she wants, and they're like ask where she was been, but they don't really give a shit. Exactly. And there's been some, some, you know, signs of abuse between the the stepdad and her and things like that. Absolutely. So you have these three girls who are struggling in their own way, and I think that really helps them form a very strong friendship and seek out witchcraft together so that way they could better their lives. Yeah. Those scenes got me interested in the movie, like, right away, mm-hmm. where I, it, at the very beginning, you know, they're presented almost as stereotypes, like, she's the shy one, she's the crazy one, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as you got to know each one, the movie, you instantly gain sympathy for all three of them. Totally. And... It kind of gets you on their side because the witchcraft they're doing seems 
relatively harmless mm-hmm. and you're just like you feel so bad for them that it's it does a great job of making like fully 3d characters for you here absolutely all this to say that i think the reason why all these different people are friends made sense in this movie you know yeah. mm-hmm. um i feel like a lot of the times you know hollywood just likes to put random people together and not really explain where this friendship where what this friendship is rooted in yeah you get why they're initially drawn to each other like you said from all their Basically just being outcast by everyone, all the quote-unquote normal people in school. Exactly. And then why they stay together because the witchcraft kind of makes them feel good and powerful and in control. And mm-hmm. like they're actually you know doing something as opposed to being like stuck as a victim. Totally. Which, all, which then makes sense why they seek out Sarah and her friendship. Yeah. I thought in the beginning the, you know, how desperately it seemed like they were searching for a fourth and how like conveniently Sarah like <laughs> falls into their lap. Mm-hmm. You know, first they like see her doing magic in school, then she's like a s- not assigned to them, but she like comes up to them and asks to to work with them at that one thing. I was like, they don't have to try. And then they get rid of her, and then they still are able to just find her immediately when they need her for it. So I just thought that was pretty funny, like the uh, convenience of it all. Well, there's a short little line that Nev Campbell's character has where she's like, "A powerful force is coming to us today." Yeah. Um, which kind of foreshadows it, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, it just made me laugh. It was a small thing. <laughs> so what kind of gets Sarah to join this group in the end is really sort of a betrayal of a guy at school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy named Chris, played by Skeet. Skeet, up, played by Skeet. Chris asks her out basically right off the bat on her first day. Pretty yeah. bold. They go on this date, and he obviously tries to get her to come home so they could sleep together, and she passes on him, and his revenge on her is to tell the whole school that she was the worst lay he's ever had. Yeah, which is uh, also that thing in movies where the entire school is talking about it, which I get it, it's a movie and you gotta visually show like how how far the rumors traveled, mm-hmm. but I just find it funny, like I don't know, your school's a little smaller than mine, but people obviously talk about shit like that, and yeah. It's but like it's never just like every single person <laughs> is looking at you like, oh, that's the one who's the worst lay that- Oh yeah, that's Austin, never what's happened. His, what's his name, Austin? Chris. Oh, Chris. L O L. Where did I get Austin from? I have no idea. All right. That's the worst leg Chris ever had, you know, so it was pretty hilarious. I was just like, oh, everyone's talking about it. Oh, yeah. And the girls are basically the ones to tell her that this rumor is spreading around school. And she confronts Chris. He's an asshole about it. Yeah. And that kind of, And on their date, Chris is also kind of bad-mouthing the three wishes. True that. Saying, like, don't go, like, don't associate with them they're kind of they're nuts you know mm-hmm. they they're they're into witchcraft they're into evil stuff right so then once he betrays her then he's kind of just like well fuck him and fuck his opinion so they're probably cool you know right so that's why it kind of seemed like she got driven into them totally um all of this gave me vibes of uh the movie the lost boys oh really yeah which uh it's kind of similar but with vampires where new 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 kid in town he meets keep Kiefer Sutherland and his group of vampires and they kind of like allure him to the dark side to be like why don't you become like us and this and that so it's the way it plays out it's very different it's not I'm not saying it's like the same movie but I just had similar vibes to the the three coven uh witchcraft girls that's awesome yeah so I enjoyed that so 
these ladies become friends and they actually form their circle. They form their coven, right? And that brings us to sort of this circle slash wish ceremony that happens. Yeah. Which is one of the scenes that I replayed many, many times. Uh, I, I'm curious to get your opinions on on that whole ceremony and that whole part of the film. Uh, oh, I, Where they're making their wishes to kind of like make... Like the big moment. Right. Wait, real quick. Was this before or after the uh, light as a bird, light as a feather... This is before. This is before that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I guess really real quick. I I just want to mention my one of my favorite scenes is when they get off the bus and the bus driver's like, "Be careful, ladies. There are weirdos out there." And Nancy goes, "We are the weirdos, Mister." Yeah, that was a, that was a dope <laughs> line. I didn't obviously we don't watch the trailers of these movies to ruin them, but I bet you that's in the oh, trailer. Oh, it's absolutely that's, in the that's, trailer. That's a trailer line if I ever heard one. <laughs> but no, the whole. Uh, doing the wish scene, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. It um, just like piggyback we're saying before about giving each character kind of like its own storyline and its own depth. Everyone's wish kind of made sense in what we've already seen them go through, mm-hmm. and it was again you just see it helps you empathize with them and what they're going through. So I I just loved it. I thought the way they portrayed the magic was really awesome and realistic. It wasn't. Yes, they were using it for selfish means, but it, it didn't even seem like it was just some easy, you know, throw some dust in the air and say a couple of words. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was actually like it took its toll on them and going through it. I, I just thought it was awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I think that the f- way they phrase their wishes is really important. Yeah. Because you have Rochelle who basically says, I want, no, she says, give me the power to not hate those who hate me or something like that. It's very sort of passive to help her get through the racism that she's experiencing. Yeah. Whereas you have someone like Nancy who kind of just is power hungry. She just wants as much as she can, yeah. as much power to get out of her situation so that way she can take full control over her life. And I think there's a huge contrast there and it's begins this conversation about it's not really about the magic and about the power. It's about how you use it. That is really the good or evil yep, that comes out. Definitely. I, I didn't really notice this before my research, but Feruza, she talks about how, you know, her family and her mom in particular, because that's who she see, that's who we see as an audience, has a problem with addiction. Yeah. So in this way, power Seeking power is her addiction. Yeah, totally true. Which I was like, wow, yeah, obviously, but I didn't like. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't gonna make pick, that connection. Yeah, you're gonna pick it up, especially as a teen. Like. Yeah. So you have Nev Campbell's character Bonnie, who obviously wishes for his scars to go to yeah. go away, and then you have Sarah, who just dealt with this aw- awful encounter with Chris, kind of wishing that you know Chris to get revenge on him, that he becomes obsessed with her. Yeah. Which I mean, if you get one wish, you should. I know. Uh- <laughs> She totally wasted it. <laughs> he totally wasted I was wasted. like, we're dealing with like, you know, you, you should get rid of lifelong scars and <laughs> this and that. And, uh. Hers was definitely the most like teenage wish. Also, she went first. So I felt like afterwards she was probably like, fuck, that's, <laughs> I could have came up with something better than that. Like, <laughs> I could have wished my mom to come back. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I should have, I should have mentioned too, uh, Sarah's mom passed away when she was having Sarah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just Sarah, Sarah's dad and stepmom. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's she the totally if she was like, let me get fresh new shoes. <laughs> you know, that's someone else was like, 
get rid of all cancer in my family. He's like, oh, fuck, I could have done that. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, so good. Again, this is like the huge chunk of the movie that I love, that I yeah. watched many times. The whole, this whole section, and then everything that follows with the r- sort of montage of their friendship blossoming and becoming stronger, them practicing magic together, all the way up to sort of that slow-mo montage of them like walking uh, in their school, like all the four of them. Yeah. That image is just stuck in my head, and I love it That's so awesome. much. <laughs> yeah, I really, I thought their bonding montage worked really well. The uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board mm-hmm. scene, I thought was really good writing. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt them go from the moment where, you know, they're all trying to kind of have their shells on at first. Nancy's trying to be all cool, and then they kind of all, like, start believing in this thing together, and all of a sudden she's floating, and they kind of see the potential of their powers together totally uh, so I, told, I was like oh that was awesome writing i really like that scene some fun things about the scene i think it was actually the, the director who added that portion of light as a feather stiff as a board uh-huh. because i think his like sisters or whatever would play that game and he was like that really stuck to me and i think we want to put this in put that in this movie and someone had mentioned how it's way better cinematically to do a scene like that rather than like a typical Ouija board type scene. Yeah. Like, it's way more engaging. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's amazing. Uh, which I totally agree with. And this scene was very hard to shoot in 1996. Yeah, the floating. <laughs> yeah, incredibly. Like, they were talking about hydraulics that they were attaching to, like, the cameras and to Rochelle, or to Rachel, uh-huh. and how they had to shoot her how they had to shoot the clothes like still up levitated like on by itself and then they had to shoot her sort of leaning on this like leaning on something that was above ground so she was above ground and like shoot her that way and then sort of like green screen the equipment out of it and how they also had to shoot her fall they had to shoot her falling and then they had to shoot her reacting to the fall separately yeah and just like all these things that were so complicated that today it would be just no problem to oh, shoot at all of course not <laughs> uh, but it looks yeah it looks so sweet the way it like slowly happens and she just comes up and there are reactions like they're just the way each a performer commits to the roles and like you feel how excited they are to see what they just did and it's it's i was just thinking that i feel like that scene alone if that was like a teaser trailer that would be mm. a great way to try to sell the movie totally. you know just show people that one part of them being like hey have you ever heard of this game and then <laughs> you realize they have powers and they're like oh snap oh yeah. yeah and they were really the cast was really excited to shoot this scene in particular like rachel talked about how her giggles at the end where she was like you gotta try this yeah. like that was her real laughter because of how much fun they were having on nice. set with it but awesome. it's pretty cool I love that you loved when the mom came in, when Bonnie's mom came in, and she was like, are you girls getting high? Yeah, yeah. it was classic. (laughs) Are you on the marijuana? Before we get into the spoiler section, I kind of want to talk about something that I wish the film explored a little bit more, but I think it touched on. Okay. Was the relationship between Nancy and Sarah. All right. Because Nancy is from the very top, you know, sort of like the leader of this group. Yeah. And Sarah comes in and she has this natural, she's a natural witch. They refer to her as that a lot in this movie. So I feel like there's always 
going to be from the very beginning, there was always going to be some sort of tension between them because Nancy is so passionate about having power. And then you have Sarah who automatically has it. Yeah. And there's always that like little tension there because where, especially for Bonnie and Rochelle, like where their loyalties lie, you know, you're going to play with that a lot. Yeah. That would, yeah, it would have been interesting if it was delved, jumped into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's like if Sarah became as passionate about becoming as power, powerful the way Nancy does, she would probably surpass her. Mm-hmm. So Nancy just feels threatened by ha- even having her around. Yeah. So while everyone else is like so amazed by what they see and in, in this like, you know, chosen one, essentially. Right. You, yeah. It would have been cool to have a little more of that. But it's it's explored. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, they probably said enough, but I, I just always found that very interesting. Yeah. Why don't we real quick talk about this revenge montage? Yeah. Because it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody doesn't get their wish right away, right? Yeah. I, Sarah, being the natural witch that she is, her wish kind of comes about first. Yeah, right away. Yeah. Where Chris just... Right, you know, right in the middle of the day, looks, uh, snaps into like a love obsession with Sarah, mm-hmm. which is so creepy. Yeah, I think if you ever want to get a teenage anyone <laughs> to, if you ever want to talk them out of a love spell, this is the way to do it. Yeah, show definitely. them this movie. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> this is another thing I I I always say I love in Buffy because they explore these in episodes too. But this definitely predates that, so mm. I, I, I got to give this credit. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's all fun and games, you know. They could get her him to carry the books and, do like, embarrass himself in front of his friends, but we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it deeper how that kind of takes a wrong turn. Yeah. But I do like how it's not sort of like this happened one scene, it's over. Like, you see it play out throughout time, throughout the movie. Yeah. Then you have... Oh, wait. He's got his jock friend played by Brecken Meyer, by the way. Oh, yeah. That guy always makes me laugh. I don't know why. (laughs) I only know him from Franklin and Bash, which Uh, is a weird thing to know him from. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mainly know him from Nightmare on Elm Street 6, so that's a weird thing to know him (laughs) from, too. Jesus Christ, there's six of them. (laughs) So, more than that. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess he's funny in this. He's such a jerk. Yeah. Does he play a jerk in that movie? Uh, Not really. So I've never really seen him play like a jock because he's not a big guy by any means. Like whenever he's standing next to someone else, he's so small. So I'm always just like, it was kind of weird to see him as like the tough jock guy. In I don't movie. know that he was necessarily a jock. Like he might have just been a popular kid. Yeah, I guess so. He had the cool California hair. Yeah. And can we quit real quick talk about how awesome it is that all of this, like these witches going to a Catholic school? I just thought yeah. that was like the cherry on oh, top. Oh, yeah. No, that was a cool just backdrop for the whole thing. Yeah. Because it juxtaposes against the witchcraft so good. It's so awesome. Yeah. And so revenge montage. I think the second one to come is Rochelle's wish. Yeah. Where this woman... Ben Stiller's wife. Ben Stiller. I, I should have looked up her, the character's Taylor. name. Oh, like character. Yeah, we're just going to keep calling her Ben Stiller's wife. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's literally a video on YouTube that's like, Ben Stiller's wife is racist or something <laughs> like so that. so fucked up. <laughs> and then it's a scene from this movie. Yeah. She Her hair falls out in yeah. this movie. Which it, oh, how creepy was that for you? Oh, it was fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> I could only imagine, like... Uh, at that age when you're that kind of kid like your whole thing is about being the pretty popular girl mm-hmm. and you're just like it's over for you like i was i 
I was really hoping that it was as creepy as I remembered it being, and I'm so glad it creeped you out. That was creepy, but the other thing is uh, that we skipped over was the skin graphing when oh. Neve Campbell was going to get her skin graft operation. Yeah. That scene was rough to watch. That oh. was brutal. I was like, oof, this is crazy. <laughs> her scream. She's so good. Is she? Have we deemed her a scream queen? She Right? She has to be. Who? Nev Campbell. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. She's totally a scream queen. Yeah, because her yeah. scream is crazy. Bonnie's wish comes true where her scars disappear. Basically, yeah. And she gets all this like overnight confidence. Those effects are pretty good, too. Yeah. It looked really cool the way the doctor was just like rubbing them off. Mm-hmm. And like the, the look on the doctor's face, like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was a good doctor. Yeah. Nancy's revenge. Oh, Brutal. Yeah. So Nancy basically, she gets the power to essentially give her stepdad a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> and which she, which yeah, kills him. Yeah, because she wished to not be white trash anymore. Right. Kills him. And but little did they know that he had a life insurance policy. Yeah, and, I guess through whatever job he had, even though it didn't look like he was working. Yeah. But. And her and her mom get a hundred and seventy five thousand yeah. dollars, which. It's so funny to watch now because I'm like, $175,000 isn't a lot. But, I mean, for them, absolutely. Yeah. It's I, a fortune. I think, I think that, in, especially in, in the 90s, it was worth a little bit more. But also, if played your if you play your cards right, that is a, that is a life-changing amount of money yeah. until you die if you play your cards right with it. True. But you could tell right away that they're going to be poor pretty quickly. It's hard to have a lot of money when you grow up poor like knowing how to manage it yeah yeah yeah. it's so hard it's it's not uh that's not taught readily you know exactly you have to kind of seek that knowledge of yourself or have someone teach it to you but yeah seeing the mom buy a jukebox yeah in that corner apartment skyscraper whatever like i yeah you could just tell it's not gonna go any last a very long time totally maybe with nancy's magic but So I'm ready to go into the spoiler section, but real quick, one thing I forgot to mention during the montage is, or I don't know if this specifically happens in the montage, but at some point in this beginning half of the movie, there's a song called How Soon Is Now Uh that's played. And I don't know if you watched an episode of Charmed or whatever, but that same song was the theme song of Charm for like basically the whole show. Really? Yeah. When did Charm come out after this? It came out after this, oh. two years after this. So I've seen two accounts, the director and I think Robin were like, yeah, Charm definitely stole that song Got and like him. that aesthetic from this movie. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. And apparently the director had sent in a pitch for a show that's sort of like this uh-huh. and then using that song and all this stuff so and then he saw charmed come out and was like whatever like, Yoink, thank you for that idea and i'm gonna run with that exactly And random, apparently Katy Perry's song Dark Horse was also inspired by this movie. Oh, I never saw that or heard that. <laughs> uh, I can play it for you later. All it's right. about. Cool. All right. Let's um, spoil it up. Sweet. So, all good things never last. 
<laughs> you know, you dabble in witchcraft, you get some, but then you gotta give some. Oh, yeah. It's all about balance, baby. One thing I love about this movie is at the beginning of the movie, you're sympathizing with a whole different group of people. Or at, at the beginning of the movie, you're sympathizing with one group of people. And at the end, you're sympathizing with a whole other group. Yeah. <laughs> like I just feel like it really does a great job of flipping like whose side you're on. Yeah, it's uh, it does that. And it's like pretty seamless. Like you you can actually track. You understand why the why the characters would go where they're going and let the power go to their head. Yeah. Nev Campbell's acting is so good. Whereas in the beginning, I said I couldn't, I could never see her as like the shy type. Mm -hmm. And then immediately when she, you know, gets the scars off her, she becomes incredibly vain and super outgoing. And like all of a sudden, that was like a one eighty flip for that character. And I was like, fuck it, she's really good at that too. (laughs) You know. Yep. And you know, I remember feeling bad for Chris who is a crazy character to have, have any sympathy towards yeah, because he's, such a dick in the beginning. he's not only yeah he's a he's <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't say he's a, uh, it's he's a bad man yes okay it's not that i don't like it's not that i can't say the words it's just i don't like saying them unless i have passion behind it like if I'm very upset, I'm gonna drop an f bomb. I know, I hear, but like I've I can't just it. do it regularly. When you see, when you see a spider, you say, "Oh shit!" Because <laughs> it's raw, visceral fear. <laughs> so, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Not only is he a jerk in the beginning, but you know, after Sarah puts this spell on him, he basically loses control. And there's an attempted rape that happens where he just needs to have her, right? And yeah. luckily, she gets away. And but, it's like the logical dark side of the whole love spell thing. Yeah. Where as soon as she goes on that date with him, they're sitting in the car and he's like, it was so hard to get you, but now that I have you, I'm not going to let you go. And then right. like, that's before he tries anything physical, but that was right away where I was like, oh, this is about to get scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that scene was so hard to watch last night. So yes, while that was an awful, like inexcusable thing to have happened for him to have done, at the same time, I felt sympathy towards him because he essentially had no power over what he was doing if you take into account the spell that was put on exactly. him. Exactly. So I I just thought that was crazy that while at the same time I hated that happened, but he had no control anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Sarah put the spell on it. She dabbled in the dark arts. It's right. Like, it's so fucked up because it was, yeah, it's, it's yeah. multi-layered. I loved it. Yeah. And... You know, that kind of leads to, you know, Sarah goes back to her friend and is like, this happened to me. And Nancy takes that as an opportunity to get revenge on Chris using all the power that she's accumulated. And you kind of have got a sense in the beginning of the movie that they have had a history of their own before Sarah entered this town. Well, anyway, since she specifically says the same thing happened to her where, Mm -hmm. you know, she they almost had a thing and then he made up lies about her to the school. Right. So she, you know, she goes in with the intention to get to revenge, uh, to get vengeance for Sarah. Yeah. But it, deep down, you kind of know she's kind of doing this for selfish reasons. Of course, yeah, yeah. And the way she goes about it is crazy. Oh man! What do you what do you think about that? Oh, that scene was fucking twisted. <laughs> she basically told Chris like, "Come with me. I know where Sarah is." Mm-hmm. And because he's on the spell, he just followed her without even thinking like, "I hate this girl" and all that stuff. Right. And then she even transforms. She uses the uh, 
I forget the word they use, like imagery trace imagery spell or something. Yeah, a mirroring spell. Yeah, something like that to change her, her look so she looked like Sarah. Yeah. And then even though he like watched her transform in front of her his eyes, the the love spell was so strong that he was just immediately like happy he was with Sarah and starts basically sleeping with her. Yeah. While uh while she's tricking him. It was fucking nuts. Right. And this is all happening at a like party in a bedroom of a house party upstairs, which is crazy. Yeah. And a side note downstairs and i rem this is actually <laughs> i i t completely forgot this happened but when the girls go to this party to find chris rochelle is stopped by ben stiller's wife yeah who's clearly wearing a wig now because she's lost all her hair right yeah and she's basically like hey rochelle um, you know, like, I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry. And then it cuts to the Chris scene. Yeah. I was like, no, I wanted to hear that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> is that a deleted scene? Like, that, that reeks of being cut from, I... like, something that was planned to be there longer. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, I just, I was laughing at myself because I was like, oh, man. That's funny. That's something I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but that Nancy stuff in the bedroom, like, now you're seeing how, like, Nancy's kind of losing it like she yeah. no longer that that she was like reeking of morals in the beginning it seemed like she did seem just like a kind of normal person mm -hmm. who was just trying to make her own life better but like now she doesn't give a fuck about it. other people i mean she's basically raping this guy like yeah i mean this whole thing is like mental rape anyway but like now she's like he because he makes it clear even while he's under the spell once he sees it's her he's like get off me like he has no interest in sleeping with her at all yeah and she still goes through with it yeah. um the spell is sort of broken when Sarah breaks into the room and he sees that, you know, it's Na it was Nancy yeah. all along. Oh, yeah. So hard to watch. And she yeah. tells him about the love spell right there. Right. Yeah. And it was crazy. This woman is so good at doing like a mental breakdown and just freaking out that that scene, like her just yelling at Chris is so impactful and so scary. Yeah. There's a moment where she's kind of screaming like. I forget what she's screaming, but she's screaming really fast and shaking her head. That wasn't sped up in post. Like, the director was like, that was all her Damn. acting and, and talking that fast. Yeah, she, she, I don't know how she was scarier in this than she was in American History X where she plays a Nazi. Like, <sighs> like a neo-Nazi. Yeah. So her power ends up being so strong that it the power pushes him and kills Chris. He pushes him out the window and yeah. he dies. Yeah, that was a that that this is the turning point in the movie. This is why we're in the spoiler yeah. section. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That's when you just like it's your all that sympathy and build up we had with these being our main characters. All of a sudden, you're like, "Fuck, I've been following the bad guys." Like, yeah, or at least with uh, I keep wanting to say Vicky Valancourt. <laughs> at least with Nancy. An interesting fact about this scene: originally, it was written that Chris was originally going to have a gun at the party for some reason, and uh -huh. Nancy was going to sort of manipulate him to kill himself. Oh, but they rewrote the scene. I mean, I think they made a great decision. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's worked. it works just the way it is. And this is where Sarah basically wants out, right? Yes, this is where she um, begins uh, wanting out of the coven. And I, I apologize because I think I, I might have gotten the order wrong here a little bit, but right before this, they summon the four corners and basically summon Menno, uh -huh. who is, he's like, he's bigger than God and bigger than the devil, right? Yeah. Like he's older. He's, he's what they summon for power. 
And that was really the beginning of Nancy's turning point where she kind of takes Menon into her and takes in all his power and becomes goes down the trail that she, she's yep. going down. And that scene, I, I have some fun facts that you're going to enjoy about that scene oh, or the making of that scene. What do you got? So... I mean, overall, with this production, there was some sketchy stuff going on, like behind the scenes. I think when you're dealing with magic, you're going to, it's kind of inevitable, especially, you know, with this being like active practices, like real things that people are doing. Nev Campbell apparently noticed a white owl following them from set to set throughout (laughs) production. Which is crazy. Why are you laughing? That's funny. <laughs> so they think that was like a like a spirit owl, like checking on them to make sure they weren't abusing magic. Maybe or like them. yeah, exactly. Came out of the woodwork, like uh-oh. <laughs> so Feruza was very against them shooting that scene on the particular beach that they chose to shoot on. Uh-huh. Um, she had heard f- that that beach did not like pagan ceremonies and that they and she basically urged production like we shouldn't be doing this scene on this beach all right and the director was like we're shooting a movie like we got to do it no matter what permit says this beach (laughs) exactly (laughs) so you got a permit for another beach or what are we doing (laughs) so what ended up happening is you know they obviously partnered with the park to ensure that they were shooting on like a low to mid tide yeah. to make sure that you know their equipment would be okay that they were able to shoot the scene and for and leading up to it apparently Feruza got sick the first time they were supposed to shoot so then they had to postpone and then when they went back to shoot when they called the four corners you know that shot where that lightning about is about to strike yeah the tides were so high that it actually ended up wiping the set and wiping the shrine Damn. like away and they lost power like everything just like went to crap they fucked up the gods <laughs> yeah it's, it's mad creepy <laughs> that's like that other show on shutter now called cursed films they talk about movies like this where they say you know, the production was cursed and things weren't bad. Mm. It was like Poltergeist was one of the famous ones. In that, I'm, I don't love that movie, so I don't think we'll ever really do it on this podcast. But mm-hmm. in the plot of that movie, they buy a house that was built on old burial grounds for like an old Native American tribe. But the, the company that, the real estate company that moved the cemetery, they just moved the headstones and left the bodies. And that's why there's like ghosts mm. on the thing. And so that's like in the movie where he's like, you didn't move the bodies. And that's why there's these ghosts. Oh, Jesus Christ. But when they were making the movie, there's a scene where the characters are like falling through the, the skeletons, like in the graves. And there's the skeletons all around them. And production, I don't know how it was cheaper or something like that. But the story is those weren't fake like, prop skeletons. They, they were able to get cheap, real human skeletons. Mm. And then people from that movie started dying in this and that. And like they say, like, the movie was cursed because they used real bodies when the plot of the movie. You know what I mean? You son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones! You only moved the headstones! The irony. I really, do you think they used real bodies for real? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know the internet internet's the internet so you can't it could just be a good story so that's what like it spun out into yeah but maybe you know it's a good horror story when the answers to the questions are i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody knows <Could> be. 
<laughs> but it is sad that a lot of the actors who worked in that movie ended up dying young. That's awful. Yeah. So they lost power on the beach when summoning Menon. Menon is a super scary name to me because of this movie. Like, <laughs> right. I've never heard it anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, but it's so scary. It'll get you. And, you know, for the sharks on the beach that kind of get washed up after they do this crazy spell. Yeah. Um, or summoning, I should say. They used plastic sharks. Like, they um, they created them so that way they... For that scene and laid them on the beach. But people, like real people coming to the beach thought they were real. Whoa. So you actually, in that shot, can see some real people reacting and being like, Oh my god, like, what happened? Hey, that works. That's awesome. <laughs> So that was another cool thing. So the problem here, right, is Sarah wants out of this coven. Yeah. But that's kind of hard because I feel like she is the root to all their power. And I think they know that. Yeah. So they kind of, the girls end up essentially turning against her and sort of this is where we get to the point where they're kind of like trying to get her to kill herself (laughs) yeah pretty much they torture her with magic and just it's awful the dream was awesome the the them floating in through the window window that's where it felt most sam raimi to me like that felt like something out of evil dead Mm. it was the pure silliness and like old school vibes it was like dracula coming through your window uh it was so it was just awesome like i wasn't <laughs> expecting it at all and the fact that it was a dream made it make more sense because it was just so like i was like whoa this is nuts <laughs> but um i loved that and then i just loved the the subtle way it was like dropped in when they were like sweet dreams oh yeah how have you been sleeping lately yeah. like you know and you're like oh shit she's in her head yeah and i think for me when i remember watching it for the first time and being like oh like sarah's just like thinking about this in her head yeah so that like really made it real and i was like oh snap like they actually did that like i didn't realize it and what makes it scary too is because of the level of which they all are which is like beginner it's exciting because they're all discovering this power at the same time and gaining power at the same time. So between scenes, they're all constantly learning how to do something else. Mm-hmm. And you never know what they're going to learn because they're, they're at such a base level. So you didn't know that they could learn how to invade someone's dreams and fuck with them while they're sleeping. But totally. they just learned it. So you're just like, oh, fuck, they know that now. <laughs> and, you know, she tries to, Sarah tries to put the binding spell on Nancy. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that Nancy, like, saw it coming and blocked it somehow. Where, you know, she was like, you know, I don't, I don't appreciate you trying to do spells on me. Yeah. And, like, you're just like, oh, fuck, she's actually getting more powerful, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know someone's doing a binding spell on you? That's... Yeah. It's like, how do you stop her? How do you do it? Yeah. So this kind of all leads to this final epic scene at Sarah's house, yep. right? Which is not how the movie was intent was supposed to end originally. I kind of wish I was able to see what the original ending was, but I'm so glad it ended up being this. I mean, even though it freaks me out how creepy it is, I'm... I'm just still to this day impressed with how much they were able to pull off in 1996. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the bugs in the house. Yes. <laughs> I was. I couldn't believe how many real bugs they used to shoot this yeah. scene. They used 10,000 snakes, apparently. How like, you, that seems like a crazy number. How many, like, wranglers do you have to hire? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> with movies like this, like, you have to, nothing can get hurt. Like, right. you have to be able to say no animals are, were harmed in the making of this film. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
So it's you're a, telling me not one roach was stepped that's on. That's what they say. Like you, <laughs> you see these movies with like these little tiny spiders, and they're like they had to build special boots with holes in them so you could stomp on them and they'd survive. Oh wow! Uh, and things like that. So I, I was I couldn't believe how many were. Uh... <laughs> I was kind of stupid though because I didn't realize. I thought it was a good thing that all these snakes were coming out. Oh. Because cause we kind of learned that, like, a snake is her kind of power or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it's, like, her, I don't know, it's it's her connection to, like, magic is the serpent, they say. Right. Um, which also, I didn't really understand the guy in the beginning. That scene was super scary, but the, the homeless guy with the snake. Right. Like, I didn't really understand what that was. I didn't know. To this day, I still don't. I wonder if it's, like, a some sort of form of foreshadowing for Sarah. Yeah, sort of warning. Her. I guess that guy like knows magic and can like sense it in her or something. Maybe. Uh, anyway, I, well, I, anyway, so I thought because all these snakes were emerging around her, so I thought this was like her getting her like true power. Mm, so I thought like all these snakes were gonna be like on her side, and she was about to be like me and my army of snakes. <laughs> but she was just still freaked out because she didn't like accept it yet. Uh, so the whole time, and I was like, "Stop freaking out! These are like your homies." And then they, and then. It, it, you learned that it was Nancy doing it, and I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> no, that's an interesting take. Um, I thought she was coming to power as the snake lady. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, they use actual maggots and roaches like, oh, yeah, to know. fill in oh, the I toilet. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was fucking gross. The director said like he was about to vomit the sh- the when they were shooting the uh, maggots in the toilet. Uh, He's just like so freaked out. <laughs> I couldn't imagine being that actress having to run through all that shit. Ooh. Props to Robin, man. Yeah. The bugs coming out of Nancy's sleeves and stuff. Like those, that was a stunt double that they used for those shots, but they did actually pour bugs like through the shirts and the sleeves so that way they would come out like that. I believe it. Oh my God. Who is that stunt person? They are a hero. Yeah. Shiro. I don't know. But uh, the most complicated and I guess most expensive shot this entire movie was of Nancy on the ground and her hair and fingers like turning into snakes. Yeah, I yeah, I can imagine that was for the nineteen ninety six. That was pretty ambitious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole end scene is crazy. That was not one of the scenes that I would rewatch repeatedly. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I would just skip to the end where Sarah yeah. um puts a tree on or breaks a tree on. But uh yeah, that scene is crazy. Yeah, and that's like the big fight between her and Nancy because we realize that she's that's all in Nancy's head, so she's finally turned the tables and now she's fucking with her mind. Right. And the way she's able to do this, you know, there's this mag- magic shop that they continuously go through throughout the movie and the woman who owns it right before this scene tells Sarah, you know, you have a lot of power within you, you know, m- the most power I've ever seen a, a natural witch to have. You yeah. know, your mother was a witch. You have the power to call the four corners and use it for good, where rather than, you know, Nancy who used, who called those, um, called the four corners, but use it for bad. Yeah. So you have that power within you. And that's what Sarah kind of does. She does that and uses that power to fight Nancy and defeat her, which is pretty cool. And, and, you know, once she kind of hits her, you know, with that one last hit, is able to bind her yep. uh, for good, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But how creepy is that sort of where you see Nancy end up? Oh, and that, like, 
padded room, basically, all cr- all nuts. Yeah. Oh, that was an awesome <laughs> scene. That was so effective. <laughs> she went nuts. She sells it. Yeah. I, uh. The, I'm flying and everything. Yeah, I'm flying. I'm flying. <laughs> I'm flying. I'm flying. I'm flying. I'm flying. I'm flying. Yeah. And I guess the one last thing I'll say is I love that you kind of get that reminder at the end where Sarah, Sarah does a quick spell, you know, by the power of three times three, make them see, make them see. Yeah. And that forces uh, Dev Campbell and Rachel uh, to see, you know, the consequences of their spell in the mirror on a quick reflection. So that's why they weren't there in the final fight uh, with Nancy. Yeah. Uh, they kind of bounce. Yeah, and uh, with them apologizing at the end, did, with I got a, a little bit of vibes that like they were almost under like somewhat of a spell with Nancy as well, mm. where like they definitely because they were never against her the whole time, and uh, but they were definitely clearly not as crazy as she was, mm-hmm. but they were definitely accepting of her crazy actions, and then I get them leaving with them with them seeing the mirror spell and it freaking them out. But that them apologizing at the end seemed a little out of character. But so I was wondering if like maybe Nancy was so powerful she actually had like a glamour spell going on them a little bit hmm. and was kind of making them a little more blind and following of her. That's interesting that you say that. I don't I personally don't think so. What I think they the reason they were apologizing was because they're still seeking the power. I think they never, even though they were freaked out in that moment where they saw the consequences, I don't think they ever truly learned that using magic for their own benefit is something that they should oh, be doing. Oh, so you think they didn't learn anything. They're, they're no. just getting right on board to go down the same path again. Because, because Bonnie goes, you know, I bet she doesn't even still have magic anymore. Like, you get the sense that they've uh, lost... That's a good point. They, they've lost the ability to summon anything to use magic to have that power. So I think they were fake apologizing to see if Sarah still had power and yeah. then see if they could summon whatever uh, to get magic going again. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. So, which is pretty messed up. You kind of see, like, you know, it's kind of like that Tyra Banks, I was rooting for you. Yeah. Like, we loved Bonnie and Rochelle, and they just let, let down. us down. Let you down. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the craft. Yeah. I mean, should we just dive into best worst? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to let you go first for best worst. All right. I'm going to go with uh, an old favorite of mine, which you know, I almost always go with. In movies like this, uh-huh. best worst special effects. Ooh, nice one. Yeah, this is a good choice. It is a great choice. Um, why don't you let me know what you picked? Uh, <laughs> one, uh, all right. Is that how this works? That's the format. Uh-huh. <laughs> For best, I gotta go with the subtlety of it and just how like seamless they put it into the movie. But I actually love the hair color change. Ooh. I it just looked like so, like it looked so so much like it belonged in the real world there. It happened, they did it real fast. It wasn't this big, like, kind of CGI session where things pointed out or, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was uh, surprising and really cool. Totally. I'll give you props for that. It's so seamless. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You didn't pick the eye color change? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I wonder if they did anything for that or they just kind of like called did, it out. Did you have a worst? Oh, sorry. But... <laughs> I was like a worst. Uh... <laughs> yeah, my best. I mean, I think it's mostly because I appreciate how much work went behind it is the light as a feather, stiff as a board. Oh, scene. yeah. I'll give you that. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, actually, we already we, pra- we praised that one long enough. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not yeah. going to go into it's it. Awesome. But yeah. Cool. And then worst, I mean, it's pretty obvious, and it's like it was ambitious for the time, but Nancy's hands turning into the snakes at the end—it was really. Just, yeah, I mean, it was awesome the fact that they went with the practical bugs and everything, but the second her hands started getting squiggly and, and stuff, uh-huh. it was just too nineteen. Like that was too hard for that time period. Interesting. They they needed another ten years of working on CGI before you could pull that off. Even somewhat convincingly. Whoa. So I gotta go with it. I was not expecting oh. you to say that. <laughs> What's your worst? You know what? There's not even anything that really bothers me about this at all. I don't know if it it's actually the least challenging, but compared to everything else that they've done in this movie, just something that you can easily forget is after they do the sort of wish ceremony scene, yeah. the butterflies coming in and out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I just think compared to everything else they've done, including the hands that you shot down, oh. um, I think it was just like the least impressive. Nice. Air quotes. All right. Fair enough. Cool. So I, I, I'm i kind of picking low-hanging fruit here, but best worst revenge story. Oh, that was my other one. <laughs> I don't have any more. That's fine. Or mine, I guess mine was more like best worst, like revenge on the person who did it like the, the backfiring oh interesting that's the opposite of what i said oh, so okay. we could do two parts all right if you want sure i mean i you're it's obvious i'm gonna choose the rachel the yeah. rochelle story uh-huh. i love it so much i honestly would love a whole spinoff <laughs> just on that like a day in the life of rochelle's character and just seeing how that goes and like her story throughout uh, high school and just it's just so engaging. But I just felt like her wish was the most it was. Yes, it was still kind of selfish, but like it was right. Like she she didn't yeah. wish for anything bad necessarily to happen to her, but she just wished for the hate to stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was my favorite nice. revenge story. And then. I guess to answer your question, just in the in the same vein, the revenge to happen to the person. I guess maybe we shouldn't do it. It doesn't really make sense. The more I thought about it. Okay, that's my favorite revenge story. Then nice. I think I have to go with Nev Campbell's. Mm. I agree with everything you said with Rochelle's, but hers was also it's not very a selfish thing because it she was in this fire pretty much seemingly tragically mm-hmm. and then her wish was basically just to get rid of her scars so she could seem normal again yeah it didn't it, it definitely wasn't aimed at harming anybody at all it was just like i want this part of me that i don't love to go away mm-hmm. that happened to me like unfairly and all the same can be the same for rochelle's but you know i imagine christine taylor is not the only person giving her a problem like this mm. so it's also it's a very calculated revenge where i think she's still gonna have this issue in the world and not that i could think of a spell that wouldn't necessarily fix it completely anyway right you know but i'm saying like it's not nev campbell wasn't getting doesn't want revenge on someone who made fun of her for her scars she wants like the scars to go away so i think i'm just gonna give her best wish because it seemed like a way to solve her problem wholeheartedly 
as opposed to just a single calculated revenge. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Best worst revenge story, but uh, I'll let you slide there. Wait, what do you mean? Because, I mean, I think you proved, by by your description, you kind of proved that Nev's character didn't really seek out revenge from anyone. She was kind of doing it. She kind of did a spell to kind of help her, and it didn't really affect anybody Oh, else. I could see how that might be the opposite of what you were asking. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you meant, like, of, like, revenge on, like, life, you know? Like, their, I guess their, their so. wish, like, out of the four wishes, I thought right. we were ranking I, those. I think that if you frame it like that, like, revenge on life, yeah, yeah. that that makes and sense. And then, uh, I mean, you can go with worse, but I feel like we're going to have the same one, because we made it pretty clear before. Oh. Oh, Sarah's? Yeah, yeah totally. Wasted. Completely wasted. You're totally you could anything, man. <laughs> Grow up, man. I mean, Nancy's is the most cold-blooded. Like, she didn't she didn't flat out say kill my stepdad, but, like, hers was, like, straight brutal. Like, yeah. Like, just straight. But, like, I get it, because she's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't go out and kill your stepdad. But... All right, I don't have any more best words. You got any more? I mean... I selfishly put this one down. Best worst acting because I just have to praise her again. Oh, like Feruza is just Vicky Valancourt. She's great. She's just amazing. And I, I think everybody who was a part of this production tapped into this, but because she was practicing on her own, yeah. I felt like she had an added layer of appreciation and understanding to her character and the magic that they were practicing like she really brought that to the role and in a respectful manner that wasn't over the top like she was crazy but she was never over the top yeah you know what i mean for sure i'll give you that so i just have to call her out for that nice that's awesome yeah she's up there for me probably number two but I gotta give it to Nev Campbell based on what I was saying before. Mainly because I've never seen her play like this. I've only ever seen that other actress play crazy. Mm. She she never played as realistic as this. The other two things, she's very over the top. Yeah. So I was like floored by her, but it was still the wheelhouse I know her in. Like Nev Campbell, I just never seen do something like this. And then the way she transforms halfway through the movie also. (laughs) I thought was fucking awesome. Yeah, that's pretty great. And worst. Who'd you pick? Oh, God. You didn't pick. I, I, yes, I'm picking. I'm picking. <laughs> There's not a lot of worse. It's hard. Yeah. I'm going to laugh and just pick Breck and Meyer because I didn't buy it. I didn't buy that he was cool. Oh. <laughs> LOL. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I'll, I'll tag on oh, to that. <laughs> you're, you're piling on Breck. You don't even know him. I know him from Franklin and Vash. All right. Once I show you what that show is, you're going to be laughing. It's, it's the lawyer yeah. show, oh, right? Oh, you do know yeah, it. Yeah, it was on USA. No. This, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was on TNT. It's, it's not a USA show. Uh, okay. You always do this. It seems like a USA show. All right. Kumail was on it. Was he? Yeah. Oh, snap. As a recurring character? I think so. Whoa. Not like every episode, but definitely more than one or two. It's crazy because I definitely watch that show a lot, but maybe because I didn't know him then. I never seen it. Interessant. Well, should we move on? Beyond? What happens to the crafty ladies after the craft? So. I'm I'm actually very interested to hear what your Beyond the Credits would be as a first time viewer of Ooh, the craft. First time viewer. I didn't prepare. Oh, look who 
didn't prepare. I'm not in charge of this episode. Andy I'm not in charge of this episode. (laughs) So I could see Sarah trying to... I think what you said uh, earlier about um, the other two girls basically still seeking the power. I think that's true. And I think I can see Sarah recognizing that, but trying to get like to teach them the ways of the good witch coven and mm. this and that. And I think there's going to be a lot of problems with that. So I can see Sarah with being with the new leadership role, basically to start succumbing to more of the dark side, kind of the way uh, Nancy did. Oh, but not, not in a way where it ultimately destroys her, but I can see, I can see it not being an easy road, but by the end, she ends up kind of like Willow at the end of Buffy. Mm. Like, kind of like the power of, like, a goddess where she's, like, the all, all-knowing all person of, of light magic. Ah, yeah. I pretty much feel like Nancy will be locked up forever, but if she ever gets out, uh, it could be a, a battle. Voldemort and Harry Potter-style battle. Oh, you got me there. You hooked me in. That's what I'm thinking. That's fun. I like that. What do I- you got? I kind of approached this as like, what would I see like the next movie being? Oh yeah, we did, yeah, we did it too. Okay, cool. So I I really think that this movie kind of opens itself up to like, why not visit these characters as older people? Like, there's not really a, there the story isn't rooted in a, like a time and place. Yeah. And because of that, I think that you can have Roche, uh, Rochelle. Bonnie and Nancy sort of trying to seek Sarah out again mm-hmm. and trying to get a hold of that power that they once had. Because I think that no matter how much they study magic, they will never be as powerful as they were as they were uh, with Sarah. So if there was another one, government. you think Nancy would be out of the institution? Yeah, and I think that Bonnie and Rochelle could maybe somehow help her get out. Yeah. So that way they could get that power together. So they're all doing it for selfish reasons again. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this movie is like, maybe it's a combination of what you just said, where Sarah kind of tries to get them to learn their lesson, like the right way this time. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that they, they are still power hungry. So there's still something to explore there about them trying to seek that power once again. Right. Nice. I can see that. Yeah. And Maybe, I mean, maybe you pull a Bill and Ted on it and get their kids involved. Oh, snap. I don't think Nancy will have kids, but hey, you know. Nev Campbell's kids. <laughs> Nev Campbell's kids, Rochelle's kids. I'm really surprised there weren't, um, like, direct-to-video sequels to this with, like, a different cast. Well, actually, (laughs) there was supposed to be a direct-to-DVD sequel Uh um, that was in the works, and then it got, like, canceled. Oh, okay. I can see there being, like, a craft, like, two through six with all different cast members and just cheaper effects and all that shit. Oh, totally. Actually, so Blumhouse, Mm -hmm. Blumhouse Pictures announced and actually shot a craft uh, reboot movie. Nice. So... It's not, there's a bunch of articles about, you know, like what it's about, if the cast is going to be appearing in it, if it's an actual just remake, are they um, sort of making a new movie with the essence of the original movie, The Craft? So the cast is out there. Apparently they finished wrapping in February. Um, We just don't know when it's going to come out. So it was... It was directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. Um, I don't really know her from anything, 
And the original script for this reboot was written by Daniel Casey. Um, he wrote Kin, Fast Nine, nice. <laughs> and Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, so nobody knows, like from the outside, whether you know she stayed with his original script or she ended up doing her own thing because she's a writer. So it's kind of a lot of questions in the air, but the cast is out there. If I tell you their names, you're not going to know what they yeah, are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see where they take it um, because I do think that it has a potential to be great. I don't. I I would love though if they tried to do their own thing. Yeah. Rather than tap into the magic oh yeah and i think they I, I think they built enough in this world in the movie like what they did enough world building where you could just tell another story mm-hmm. you don't like you don't need to follow these characters you just tell something in this world yeah so i mean i'm opening a a sequel or reboot whatever with open arms yeah that'd be awesome yeah and one thing one last thing i'll note before we move on is some fan on YouTube made a Nancy's Revenge trailer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's so awesome. Like, as a beyond the credits option, I think Nancy as a villain coming back for revenge. Oh, yeah, for sure. Would be the scariest but coolest movie. Nice. <laughs> All right, we got to watch that when this is over, too. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, we talked a lot about the craft, Andy. Oh, yeah. I have had so much fun talking to you about it, but I just need to know one thing. What's that? Do you love what I love? I love it. So, obviously, Halloween time is my favorite time of the year. Oh, my God. I love the fact that we chose to do all horror movies this time. I didn't know what to expect when you told me your picks were going were gonna to be. <laughs> And then when you told me you were doing the craft, again, like I said earlier, nobody knew about it, never knew what it was. And I was totally expecting something a little more aligned with a Hocus Pocus or a Sabrina the Teenage Witch, just something a little more lighthearted. And definitely for teens, but, you know, maybe like with a little bit of edgy stuff. Yeah. And I was not expecting like a full-fledged, fully committed horror movie out of this. So once, once like we were 20 minutes in and that happened, I was really surprised. The cast kind of came out of no was so good uh, in terms of just bringing each of these roles to life in a genre movie where we often kind of just put that to the side and don't really care about the characters. Mm-hmm. So all that is pretty much just to say that, yes, I totally love this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This fucking movie was great. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, mad that i went this long without ever seeing it it was wow it was so it was just so well put together it was exciting the entire way through you know it got you scared when it needed to it had funny moments didn't put any of these characters on the back burner like everybody had a moment to shine where you got to see where they were coming from and then by the end kind of went through something that was insane i love the effects i totally felt like a sam raimi movie (laughs) and yeah i just love like it was not afraid to get dark, but it was never just like overly trying to be just edgy or cool for no reason. It took everything seriously. Everything was everybody committed to the whole concept, and that's all I really ask for in movies like this. Mm-hmm. When you have a teen version of something, it's so easy to make it silly and stupid because you're like the teens, ah, you're like, <laughs> look, you know, it's like the hot chick with you know the oh, that's the goth girl who does spells, and then all of a sudden she turns. Oh the God. girl into Rob Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> you know some stupid shit like that, and this wasn't that at all. It was just 
truly like earnest and the fucking yeah i want to watch it again it was uh, so good. that's um you want to watch it again yeah it's fucking awesome oh, let's do it right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so fantastic i can't believe it wow can we just live in this moment for a second <laughs> it's not that rare that i love the movie you pick i know but you know i don't okay I'm just, yeah. Because this is my genre, so yeah, like, you, like, I think you gave me one? That's really it. That is, you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, like, if I showed you, like, a musical you fell in love with. Willy Wonka. Uh, true, true, <laughs> true, 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 true. All right, everyone. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at Love What I Love Podcast or at LWIL Podcast. It's a great way to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love.